The following is a presentation of the Pro Wrestling Report, TV and radio. Informative, entertaining, and real since 1998. Are you ready? Welcome to TWR Reaction with Matthew Thomas and the man they call Meathead. And be part of the show by calling 877-317-9772. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Survivor Series 2017 post-show. Joining me, the man that they call Meathead. Meathead, it feels so strange to be talking to you in 2017. We, we talk each week uh, in the year 1997, but uh, 20 years down the road from the last time we talked. Meathead, how you doing tonight? I've gotten a little older, I've gotten a little wiser, and I've gotten a little more lemmy in my voice. Well, that's it. That tends to happen as you age. You know, that's that's kind of the sound of the sound of experience. If you want the sound of youth, then you can listen to us Wednesday nights as we or Monday nights rather or Wednesday nights rather as we as we recap uh, Nitro on a weekly basis. But this is not 1997, and this is not Nitro. This is the Survivor Series. So, Meathead, we're going to take it from the top tonight. Uh, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit strange with the network now and with these extended pay per views. Honestly, um, Matthew, special it feels like we were watching the Survivor Series '97 with all the actors and all the characters in the show tonight. Do you remember uh, Survivor Series '97? What happened? '97. Oh, '97. That was the was '97 the premiere of The Rock or Rocky? No, '97 was Montreal. Oh, that's right. How could I forget? How could you How forget? could I forget? Uh, Survivor Series 1997 brought to you by Karate Fighters, if memory serves me correctly. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, tonight, tonight was not, in fact, brought brought to you by Karate Fighters. I don't really know who, who brought us tonight's pay-per-view, but nevertheless, we would kick things off. And oh, our you kicked first... our probably. Our that's there you go. Our first pre-show match, which uh, what I was going at was here. I'm in uh, Mountain Time Zone. You're in Central Time Zone. So things got kicked off today. The post-show I think kicked off around three or three thirty, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I didn't I didn't watch it live, but man, a <laughs> this network era with we didn't have an overrun tonight, but man, these these big pay-per-views are getting longer and longer and longer and longer. But nevertheless, Elias Sampson going up against Matt Hardy to start the show. I, I think most people knew what was going to happen here. Elias Sampson picking up the, vic- the victory over Matt Hardy. Uh, we do have some news coming out of the pre-show, though. A new cruiserweight champion, uh, your boy Enzo Meathead, defeating Callisto in our second kickoff match. Any uh, reaction, any surprises from you on the result of this uh, of this title change in the pre-show? Surprise? No. Reaction? Sure, it's what they need. Uh, I heard your comments uh, this last week on the primetime. Uh, Enzo's the star of the division currently, and that's who should be the champion. So he's really the only one with any name recognition in the division. He's the only one that's really crossed over, and as tiresome and as nails on the chalkboard as it may seem at time. Enzo just really seems to be the only one with any relevance right now in the division. I hope that's going to change. I hope somebody else uh, is able to, you know, ascend to the top and, 
and and make that claim. But right now, Enzo's kind of the, the best that they've got going as far as somebody to hold that title on a, on a weekly basis. Somebody that can come out there and you know be somewhat of a character. So it's it's crucial. Oh, he's a character, needs a lot right? of work. Needs needs a lot of work, but for right now, I think they, they made the right choice. Uh, a third pre-show match: Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn going up against Brizongo. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn picking up the victory. It's still amazing uh, until later in the finish that that Owens and Zayn are relegated to the pre-show. But uh, you would think with four hours of main event time of main card that you could find somewhere to to put them at on this loaded card. But uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens picking up the victory on the pre-show. We would kick off the main card, Survivor Series 2017, with the newly reformed Shield going up against New Day. I thought this was a pretty hot match to start things off with. Uh, a couple things surprised me here. I was a little bit surprised by the overwhelmingly favorable reaction that New Day got and the negative reaction that especially Reigns got. Now, Reigns getting a negative reaction at a pay-per-view is not uncommon at all, but since the Shield had been reformed, Reigns has gotten a little bit of a free pass. People were excited to see the Shield back in action, and uh, tonight was a little bit different, though. We had a crowd that was uh, much more of a New Day crowd than I was expecting, and a crowd that was much more down on the shield at times, particularly when Reigns was in the ring. So a little bit of an unexpected fan reaction to me. This match went longer than I think a lot of people were expecting. It wasn't as one-sided as a lot of people thought going into this match. You had a very good back and forth between these two teams. The shield did not blow through the New Day at any point. The New Day looked like viable threats, proving once again that they can take the comedy down a notch and pick up the seriousness when they need to. We saw it at Hell in a Cell with the Usos. We saw it again with the Shield, one of the better New Day matches that they've had, if not possibly the best match that they've had. They had some very, very good spots here. It was a very well-orchestrated match from both teams. Uh, a lot of close calls, a lot of near finishes. Thought these six guys worked really well together. It was a great way to start the show. The Shield would eventually get the victory with Roman Reigns picking up the pinfall. Meat had your thoughts on this six-man tag to open up the show with a uh, with Raw going up uh, one nothing in the opening match. Uh, the commentary was a cluster. It was a hot mess. Um, they didn't uh, really accentuate the fact that all five of them were sitting together at the table until later on in the show. But uh, Corey, here, here's why it gets to be a cluster. Corey had to sit in the middle because naturally Corey's on both shows. So Corey can't show allegiance to one side or the other. It, the right. fake loyalty thing that comes out once a year, it just doesn't work for me. It, it's, you know, where they're, they're the one time of the year where they go head-to-head. Well, yeah. How is Royal Rumble going to sound? Because, I mean, like I said, a hot mess. Right, right. And it was a little bit different this year. I mean, traditionally, this is reserved for bragging rights. Survivor Series hasn't always been a brand split, brand versus brand pay-per-view. So this year and uh, last year, I mean, it's a little bit different having this. uh, It's okay in small doses. Here's what I didn't like. I did not like the build to it, especially the go-home SmackDown. Go-home Raw didn't bother me. 
but the pep rally scene in the locker room where you've got all of a sudden your Baron Corbins, your Kevin Owens, everybody and their brother are now team players. Yay, my brand. Yay, yay, yay. That was a bit much. Uh, again, you kind of have to grit your teeth and bear it for a month and, uh, you know, deal with, with what it, what it results in. But that being said, our second match of the night would be the U S champion Baron Cor- Corbin going up against the Miz. Now we had interference from Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel early, but at the end of the day, this would see Baron Corbin going over the Miz clean. To me, this was my surprise of the night. And what I think was one of the most important statements that they made on this card, having Miz pick up the clean or having Corbin pick up the clean victory over the Miz. Uh, your thoughts on this, Meathead? Well, one, uh, I want to go back to your mentioning of the uh, the pep rally with Shane McMahon and the they never, and this bugs me until this day, I've been watching wrestling 30-some years. Whatever they say, the entire roster is there. The entire roster is never there. You can always imagine the top five or six main event guys are never in the room at the same time, ever. Did you see gender in there? Did you see, I mean, you know, they're never there. Where was Cena? I mean, they're not in the room. Like the, uh, the hashtag under siege, they weren't all there. Uh, back to this match. For the match, technically, if you go by wrestling rules, I mean, not rules, but rules of engagement, rules of the of a wrestling match, Corbin was the face in this match because he was fighting a three-on-one the entire time. He overcame yeah. the odds and beat The Miz. The best thing they could have done with Corbin right after was have him just bury the crowd and get back his heat, you know, for having, you know, overcome those odds and then just kind of peed on everybody else by saying, hey, Miz, you know, when my title goes up, your mouth goes shut. And this goes to the rest of you, too. I just didn't like the Miz having to lay there while he dangled his belt over his face. And he kind of held it for the crotch, too. It was a little weird. But, 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 you, but you stated you wanted uh, Corbin to uh, urinate on the audience. Was that what you said? No, I, that's, that's that, I didn't say P- R. Kelly. I mean, P- I said uh, Baron Corbin. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and here's here's where I start having a little bit of an issue with the predict- predictability here and a little bit of the issue with brand versus brand in the scoreboard. Raw's up 2-0. Uh, most likely, they're not telling a story where SmackDown gets sweet. So you know at this juncture, SmackDown's going to need to get a little bit of their momentum back. And they would get it back in the next match featuring the Usos going up against Cesaro and Sheamus, tag team champions of both divisions. Uh, another good match. These guys, all four of them, can put on a very, very solid tag match. Cesaro and Sheamus becoming a very, very cohesive tag unit in the last year or so, and this match was was no exception. Very solid match here. We would see the Usos picking up the victory over Sheamus and Cesaro for SmackDown to make a charge back and uh, cut the deficit by one. Uh, to make it two to one, Meat had your thoughts on this uh, Raw versus SmackDown tag team match. Cesaro and Sheamus were an experiment put together by Foley to see if they'd get along. They've actually become a team that looks like they belong together. I mean, what is it? A year now? Plus, it was SummerSlam last year, I think, or Survivor Series last year. They look fantastic together. Now, Cesaro was always the face, you know, and Sheamus was always the heel, so. But it's really turned Cesaro into a bad guy. 
Uh, now, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Or did Cesaro and Sheamus using the bar or Ford using the bar? Which came first? Have you seen these Ford commercials? We don't just set the bar. We are the bar. Ah, it depends. If uh, if it's one or the other, then that could potentially be some copyright issues. Right. Or yeah, maybe, so or maybe some, cr- or maybe some cross promotion. Maybe Sheamus and Cesaro. Maybe they work everything out, you know, and uh, they they settle, and maybe they're in some Ford commercials, start cruising around with some Fords, huh? Maybe that's the happy the happy medium there. WWE is not above putting their guys on other stuff. I've seen uh, WWE guys and Adam ruins everything over and over now, so. And uh, we may have gone slightly out of order here, but uh, we did have some women's action as well, and that would be another Raw victory. Team Raw picking up the victory as uh, Asuka scores the pinfall. This was when it came down to the final few moments here. This was clearly uh, designed to make Asuka look strong, and uh, Asuka coming out on top as Team Raw picked up the victory here. And, uh, yeah, we also had some some – Cool matchups that we typically don't see. We had Nia Jackson and Tamina going up against each other, and that was a, a nice dynamic. Those are two similar similar styles, uh, similar girls that Man, really haven't had a chance to work together. Let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Now, everyone assumes because of Tamina and who she is, you know, being the daughter of Jimmy Super, Super, Superfly, uh, being a Samoan. Do people assume that Nia Jax is Samoan, or is it just something that's not thought of? Because the moment you see Nia Jax go to headbutt Tamina, you go, oh, no, you don't headbutt a Samoan. No, those things are like hard as coconuts. At least that's what was sold to me in the 80s. But then again, wait a minute. Nia Jax is technically Samoan, too, isn't she? So I don't know if that's what you were thinking, but that's what I was thinking when they were trading headbutts back and forth. Yeah, it's like, do they just offset? Is it is it just something you right. don't... You don't do, they, right? They cancel each they other cancel out. cancel each other out. Replay it down. Fantastic. You would have to turn to the letter S under Samoan in your wrestling psychology rule book to see exactly how that breaks down. But a very, very good right. point there. Um, also, in other women's action, SmackDown's champion Charlotte going up against Alexa Bliss. And honestly, for me, this might have been the one it will. Uh, one of the matches of the night. I can't say match of the night because there's some stuff later in the card that I really enjoyed, but I, I thought these women really complemented each other very, very well. What's so interesting is Charlotte is definitely, when you see her up against Alexa Bliss, there is a certain size advantage, but it's not a size advantage like Alexa Bliss going up against the Nia Jax or Tamina. It's a a height advantage, you know, more muscularity, but Charlotte can certainly still move. So it's a very interesting dynamic with these two women that have similar styles, but with the scale difference, with the, you know, the size difference there, you could really tell a good story. I thought the styles really complemented each other very well. This would see Charlotte picking up the victory, uh, which I liked. I was happy to see the title change last week on SmackDown. I think Charlotte is, is, Good as Alexa Bliss is, as good as that division is, Charlotte is really a cut above, and it needs to it needs to be an appoint made to 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 tell that to the viewing audience. And I think tonight, her getting the clean victory over the Raw Women's Champion Alexa Bliss was a step in the right direction. I thought this was the most um, obvious of match finishes. I thought that it was going to be the uh, Charlotte going over. Once it was Charlotte instead of Natalia, 
Uh, I thought it was going to be Charlotte, absolutely, because um, nothing against Alexa Bliss, but Charlotte is the women's division right now. Next up, a match that uh, honestly was a dream match of sorts for a lot of people, a dream match that was potentially a WrestleMania match down the road that we got two weeks of a build for. Kind of seemed like it was thrown together at the last minute, but it was a Survivor Series main event caliber match. Nonetheless, Brock Lesnar going up against AJ Styles, champion versus champion. This match really started off very interesting with a different setup than you see with a lot of traditional matches. Not so unusual for a Lesnar match because we've seen plenty of Lesnar matches where he dominates the length of the match, but for the first half of this match, it was all Brock Lesnar. There was no AJ Styles. AJ Styles got an absolutely zero offense. AJ would eventually get some momentum back and make this a competitive matchup. The two would go head-to-head, and it ended up being a what I thought was, was a very solid match. I thought the psychology was really good. I thought it told a great story. When AJ made his comeback, it wasn't just all of a sudden, here comes AJ 100%. He sold the beating that he got. He delivered his moves, his signature moves, in a way that made sense from the beating that Lesnar had given him. Ultimately, uh, Lesnar would come out on top, hitting an F5 when AJ tried to come off the ropes. For the phenomenal forearm, uh, Brock Lesnar picking up the victory here. But I thought they told a great story, and I'm not sure what this means. Uh, I'm not sure where they go to from here. Not sure that they gave this match enough build and enough time, because if promoted correctly, I think this could have been a WrestleMania caliber main event. Nonetheless, Brock Lesnar over AJ Styles clean tonight in the middle of the ring. Your thoughts, Meathead? If you listen to primetime this last week, uh, this was my beef. This should not have been AJ Styles, a phenomenal champion. I don't have a problem with him having to belt 11 of 12 months, but if you're going to sell to me that this is the one time of the year where the brands go together, the best versus the best, that should not have been AJ Styles in that match. It should have been Jinder Mahal. Once AJ Styles was put in that match, it was a lock for Brock Lesnar to win that match. There is no way Brock Lesnar was losing to AJ Styles. I don't mind if that match goes to WrestleMania. Then I don't have a problem with AJ Styles winning. But in this match, in this scenario, in this setup, there it was a guarantee that Brock Lesnar would not lose to AJ Styles. I have a problem with this match. It was fun to watch. I just didn't like the way it was set up. What's your gut instinct? Do you think this was the plan all along? We take gender to two weeks before Survivor Series, then we give Styles the belt to put him in Lesnar, or do you think this was a last-minute, we've-got-to-pull-a-rabbit-out-of-our-hat decision? Rabbit-out-of-our-hat decision. I don't know why, but it was a rabbit-out-of-our-hat. Yeah. This was not planned. Because the champion versus champion was not the main attraction on the poster, and it was not the main event. It did not close the show. They were building this for Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series traditional elimination. So but it was the first promo that we got. Gender was the first one to mention Brock Lesnar's name on yep. TV. Very, very okay. true. That's a, a very good point. We, we, it's funny. We, we had the bill to Gender versus Brock. That, right. That was that was what was built, and AJ was in there, you know, kind of as an afterthought, but. We had that build, and we got no build. The, the best we got was a week of build that featured that featured 
Daniel Bryan coming out as the advocate for AJ, which just seemed very, very weird. And you I, personally, I, I was I was glad to see the match, but as a fan, I felt shortchanged because I knew what this could be. I knew what the build could be if you were building up for this main event match. And you never even once got to see these guys in the same ring, stand face-to-face, cut a promo. So you just uh, you just went right for it. And honestly, I feel like that is only going to get worse and not better in this network era because you're not, you're not building to the big four. You're not trying to sell – you know, four pay-per-views a year, even sell pay-per-views anymore. You're in this era where you're trying to sell subscriptions and you're trying to keep subscriptions from lapsing. So you want to keep that viewer invested month after month. And that's why you get Cena versus Reigns at a pay-per-view that's not Survivor Series or Rumble or Mania or SummerSlam. That's why you're going to get a lot of this stuff. And I think what you may very well sacrifice in this network era is the – you know, the ability for WWE to say, okay, we're going to keep this up our sleeve till Mania, as opposed to just giving it to you the next month to try to keep those subscriptions rolling in. That being said, we would have the Survivor Series elimination match as our main event team, Raw, consisting of Kurt Angle, Ron Strowman, Finn Balor, Triple H, and Samoa Joe going up against Shane, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Nakamura, and John Cena. With the inclusion of uh, Triple H in here and Angle, we really got to see some interesting uh, dynamics. We got to see Triple H and Nakamura. We got to see uh, Rude and Triple H. So a lot of a lot of deals here that you didn't think you would necessarily uh, get to see, maybe if ever. Um, so this match would a lot of back and forth. We would have some high spots here and there, but at the end of the day, we would have. Uh, Triple H seemingly siding with Shane McMahon and then ultimately turning on Shane McMahon, which would piss off Braun Strowman. Strowman and Triple H, the two remaining members of Team Raw, pay-per-view would, in- would conclude with uh, Strowman, attacking, or Tr- Strowman warning Triple H, rather, than when Triple H proceeded to attempt to attack Braun Strowman, Strowman getting the better of Triple H. So we go to... Closing credits tonight with Strowman standing tall over Triple H. Meathead, your thoughts on how this all panned out, Team Raw, picking up the victory, setting up a conflict between Triple H and Strowman. Was this a one-off to make uh, Strowman stand tall, or are we going to something longer with Strowman and Triple H? Strowman stand. You know, if Strowman would have been on SmackDown, Strowman-Brock Lesnar should have been the match. Because, I mean, this guy is a steamroller right now. He's steamrolling through everything and everybody. <coughs> everything and everybody. Um, let's hope that it's something, you know, Triple H has got to set up his match at uh, WrestleMania. I don't know. If, I don't know. Maybe this is Royal Rumble. Maybe this is, I don't know where we go from there. Um, you know, Kurt Angle did his job, and he did what he told Stephanie you know, he was going to do and try to break Shane's ankle. Triple H is the one that stopped it. So Kurt Angle's job is safe. Uh, strife between Joe and Finn. But uh, didn't they have uh, issues in uh, NXT? So they've already worked together. Uh, I loved, 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 loved watching Triple H and Bobby Roode go one-on-one. That was absolutely glorious. Because I've always said that Bobby Roode is like a third Triple H a third Rick Rude and a third Rick Flair. I mean, that's what Bobby Rude is. 
He's got the music. He's got the look. He's got the act like a champ. And he got to go one-on-one. He looked great against Triple H, absolutely. Uh, amazing match, really. And, you know, we talked in the beginning of the program here about how, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were nowhere to be found. They had a perfect role in the main event, and I absolutely loved what they did. You know, they're the, the jilted children, the red-headed stepchilds, no pun intended, Sammy, uh, of SmackDown, and they made sure that they ruined tonight's main event. Do, let me ask you this. Do you forget at times, because uh, I was, you know, looking at, say, like a Joe on one side and a Bobby Roode on the other, or, you know, AJ Styles on one brand and, Joe on Raw or whatever. Do you forget these TNA matches that you saw for years? Because I found myself the other night, it was actually last night, watching the NXT pay-per-view, uh, looking at maybe some potential matchups when uh, Eric Young makes it to the main roster. And I find myself saying, oh, Eric Young, we get the interesting to see him going up against Bobby Roode or AJ Styles. And then I catch myself, I'm like, wait. I, you catch yourself I going, wait, weren't they on years? Team Canada? <laughs> right, right. I saw I, <laughs> I saw 10 years – 10 plus years of that. And so it's just very interesting to even someone like myself who's watched years of wrestling, the WWE machine, the NXT machine, what they do on the main roster, in a lot of ways, it's kind of conditioned these TNA feuds out of me. Well, as long as Claire Lynch doesn't show up. You know what? That would that would be the ticket. See, that, that storyline was, I don't ever felt like we got full resolution there. So maybe... Maybe WWE with their production there's, value. There's one character that's crossed over. Uh, do you remember Ralph is actually showing up in WWE? Did he make a WWE appearance? I'm pretty sure he did because you, you know Ralph is his real job. He worked for WCW, right? I don't know if you know that. How he was brought yeah, in? Yeah, he was. He was. Like, he was he like a the truck ring. driver or something? Yeah, uh, he was right, the guy that drove right. the ring. There you go. There you go. But was just the guy. That's that's all Ralphus was, and he was on WWE TV at one point. So that's the only angle that I've ever heard of that I can think of that's ever crossed over from companies. But uh, well, you know, know, since since we haven't gotten since we haven't gotten broken Matt Hardy, maybe that is maybe that's our consolation prize. Maybe we don't get broken Matt, but we get Claire Lynch. (laughs) Claire Lynch. Um. Uh, I want to propose something to you as well. I've been thinking about this, and they've brought it up tonight, which kind of helped uh, you know ring my memory again. Brock Lesnar won the championship off Goldberg at WrestleMania. Do you think they have the part-time champion on the wrong brand? With three hours of show, shouldn't there be an active heavyweight champion on that show and maybe a temporary champion on the two-hour show? And wouldn't it make SmackDown feel that much more legitimate? If you had Lesnar yeah. over there, I, I think I think you're onto something. I, I and I think that's what they tried to do with the title. I think they thought if you put the WWE title on SmackDown, then that's the main show. But what you're seeing, and I, I don't know if there's an answer to this. And for years they thought SmackDown going live would be the answer. Maybe they thought having the title on that show would be the answer. But I Maybe having John Cena on that show would be the answer because they've tried that right. twice. Mm-hmm. And I, but I, it, or make it the wrestling show. But fans have been conditioned because Raw had what a six-year head start, and even you know in the SmackDown Raw era, Raw has always been that A show. 
And in a lot of ways, that's WWE's fault because you have conditioned fans to think of Raw as your A show. And whatever You've conditioned us to think that Monday nights is wrestling night. Yes, yes. And you cannot (laughs) – you can not even have a title on Raw and put every single title on SmackDown, and Raw is still going to feel like the A show. Maybe the only solution – Meathead is to put is to put SmackDown on Monday nights as well. Let's run Raw for three hours, SmackDown for two, five hours of wrestling on your Monday nights, 30-minute pre-show for Raw, 30-minute post-show for Raw, 30-minute pre-show for SmackDown, 30-minute post-show for uh, – pre-show for SmackDown, 30-minute post. That's what you need. You Claire need Lynch is the general manager hours, for SmackDown. Seven hours of wrestling on Monday nights is what you need to make SmackDown feel important. Yeah, and they tried, and that's exactly why the Raw versus SmackDown, you know, once a year Survivor Series stuff started off with SmackDown being the aggressor because they feel like the redheaded stepchild. Again, apologies to Sami Zayn. And all redheads, because you've basically insulted any of our listening audience that have red hair. So, uh, very good job there. But I feel like we covered some positive grounds. We, in 30 minutes, not only recap Survivor Series, but we figured out what SmackDown needs to do to become the A show, and that is to go to Monday nights. So anything else uh, for our listening audience before we uh, put this one in the bag? No, this week, Wednesday, again, you know, we've got PWR primetime. We've also got uh, Nitro uh, reaction coming up. I think we are uh, making our way to Spring Stampede 97. So, uh, yeah, we're about 20 years behind on that. But uh, we're catching up. Yeah, we're catching up. WCW will never die. We'll be able to catch up someday. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Until then... For the man they call Meathead, this is Matthew Thomas. We will talk to you later on this week. Thanks for joining us for PWR Reaction. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast right here on iTunes so you never miss an episode. You can also download new episodes online at PWRshow.com where you can also find podcasts from me, Gene Okerlund, and Al Snow along with the best pro wrestling coverage in the world today from Damian Nelson and David Harrow. Until next time, this is PWR Reaction Podcast signing off.